My guest today is Phil Kohler here to talk about his review of Dragon Age Inquisition. I'm Justin McElroy, and you're listening to Polygon's Quality Control. I'm so glad to be back. Uh, Justin, I haven't slept in two weeks. Holy crap, Phil. We are going to talk about it. sounds like I just finished reading your review. Sounds like a good game. It's sounds all right. like a good game. It's okay. It's pretty okay. Um, it's Dragon Age Inquisition. It's it's pretty exciting. Uh, I, and I, I want to ask you kind of you kind of uh, touched on it there. So I'm going to start with this question. What is it like? to review an 80 hour long video game <laughs> it's uh it's it's intimidating right. um it's uh it's arguably one of the worst things in the world mm-hmm. i can't think of a worse job um <laughs> it's <laughs> no it's it, it, it is it is definitely one of those moments where uh you know you look at um the job of reviewing a game and where it actually gets challenging, where it actually gets really difficult, because you hit this point where you're like, uh, you you can't spread it out, right? You can't say like, well, I really like this game, but you know, at, at a certain point, you only want to play so much of a game in one sitting. Um, and and when you're on a review for a really long game like this, uh, you got to push yourself to just keep playing, keep playing, no matter what. Um, so it gets uh, it gets it gets a little bit exhausting. It it certainly helps. In situations like like is the case with Dragon Age Inquisition, where the game itself is actually very good. Uh, actually, to not to dip into reader questions early, but uh, Alex had a question about that. He asked, "What was your philosophy on jumping into side quests and activities with the amount of content uh, included in Inquisition? It seems like it would be challenging to decide when you've done enough and need to forge on through the critical path." Yeah, so I I, I did, I kind of tried to balance it. Um, I. I in the first couple of areas, I did pretty much every side quest that I could until I hit a point where I was like, okay, I, I'm not leveled up enough for this, so I guess I should move on. Um, and then uh, and then later in the game, I, I kind of went through the critical path for a while, and then later in the game went and did some side quests again. Um, but I definitely, you know, I hit a point, which was probably last week uh, on, like, Friday night, <laughs> where I was like, okay... I need to put away the side quests and really start focusing on the main story. So one of the good things for the review process uh, with Dragon Age is actually um, the way that you progress main main story missions, the way that you open up the main story missions is through, uh, through something. It's a resource that you get called power. Um, and the way that you get power is by completing side quests. So there are actually specific points in the game where it kind of forces you to go and do some of the side quests. Um, so for review purposes, that actually worked out really well because I could check out the side quests and not feel like I was just wasting my time or like I should be focusing on the main story. Mm-hmm. Phil, I'm going to be honest with you. Yeah. I don't remember anything about Dragon Age. Sure. I realized this when I booted up the game and I realized, hold on, there have been a couple of these. I don't remember a damn thing about Dragon Age. How much uh, do I need to know from like a lore perspective going in, and does it sort of catch me up? Yeah, so it uh, you know, the the game tells its own separate story. Um, it it is 
connected to the events of the previous games, but it is largely a new cast of characters, a couple, a couple returning characters, but mostly new people. Um, your hero is new. Uh, so you're not going to be totally, uh, left out in the cold if you don't remember anything. What I would recommend, um, EA has created this really cool tool called uh, dragon age keep. Um, and you can go on to dragon age keep and, you know, log into your origin account. If you have an origin account, um, and you can actually recreate, uh, your choices from the previous games. Um, since it, since it's moving over to next gen, they couldn't just carry over your save. So they let you, you know, essentially make the choices that you wanted to make. And it kind of did a good job for me of, of catching me up and reminding me like, oh yeah, this happened in Origins and this happened in Dragon Age 2. Um, and this happened in that DLC that I never played. <laughs> there are a lot of characters in this game, like a lot. Um, how does it keep you connected to all of them? Yeah, so there's uh, it's it's nine total playable party members, which I think is more than any of the previous Dragon Age games. And then in addition to that, you've got all of these uh, non-playable characters who are hanging out at your, you know, at your base of operations who you can talk with and uh, and get to know better as well. Um, you know, the, the way that it does it, I think, is is the same way Dragon Age always has, which is lots and lots of dialogue um, and lots of these really cleverly written little uh, segments where you make choices and the character reacts based off those choices and it will tell you whether they approve or disapprove of what you said and it reveals more and more about the, who they are in their past. Um, and and that definitely helps uh, flesh those characters out a lot. In addition to that, uh, the characters kind of have these this just regular um, moment-to-moment dialogue as you are exploring these zones, um, which I really liked a lot as well. They actually interact with each other through these dialogues. Um, and it, it, uh, it really encouraged me to bring together different groups of people. So I would think like, you know, what would happen if I bring both of these rogues along? Like what weird things are they going to say to each other? Um, so I was actually pushed to, uh, to try going out into the world with different weird party compositions. Uh, Dragon Age 2, really from what I do remember, I don't remember anything about the story, but I do remember this Dragon Age 2, um, really shaped kind of around you the the choices that you made were not just like influencing the story it 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 sort of became the story um based on your decisions and it was almost kind of distracting for me because it felt like a story that i was just sort of making up as i went along rather than a narrative that i was experiencing does does dragon age inquisition have that same characteristic uh i I would say to some degree, certainly, but I, I think it's a uh, I think it's different in the sense that in Dragon Age Inquisition, you are um, the choices that you make are changing things on that level. They're changing things as your adventure progresses, but a lot of them are more about changing sort of the shape, uh, the political landscape of the world of Dragon Age. Um, so a lot of them are really big choices. They 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 have more of a, a lasting impact. Um, so it's stuff that like at the end of the game, the world is going to look very different because you made this choice. Mm-hmm. I've got a ton of questions from listeners, sure. Phil, uh, both both about minuscule uh, errata and non. So let's just truck on through them. First one's from Daniel. My wife and I have played through the Mass Effect games together. She does conversations and I do combat and environmental navigation, passing the controller to each other for our segments. This causes a bit of confusion and fumbling when conversations rapidly turn into combat. How common is this in Dragon Age Inquisition? 
Uh, I would say very uncommon, actually. Um, I would say it probably happens a lot less than in something like Mass Effect. There are very few situations where, um, where, for example, you're in a conversation and you have the choice to just attack someone. Um, and there are there are a handful, but still not that many situations where you're done with with a conversation and immediately leads into combat. It it definitely happens, but it's not not very common. Does Dragon Age embrace a like a good and evil spectrum like Mass Effect or or no? No, not really. Uh, you know, there's definitely you have choices that can kind of correspond to to being a traditional hero versus being kind of a roguish hero. Um, but you're you're a hero no matter what. Um, and then a lot of the bigger choices that you're forced to make are a lot more. Uh, there's sort of that dark fantasy gray area of like there's not a right or a wrong choice somebody's going to get hurt with either of these choices and you have to decide which is the one that makes more sense. A question from Dan who asks, does uh, Inquisition have lore and descriptions attached to most of the items, weapons, equipment, etc., like Dragon Age Origins did, or only a handful of items like Dragon Age 2? I love the little bits of lore and I read every single one in Dragon Age Origins. It really helped to flesh out the world for me. Dan, who apparently has quite a good deal of free time on his hands. Sure. Uh, I don't think the lore stuff is attached to weapons or armor very often in Inquisition, um, but there are tons and tons of books and notes and, Ugh, and other them. bits, tons of like literally hundreds and hundreds of them. And when you find them, uh, it, it goes into your codex in the game and it's there forever. So you can go if you want to like find all of that stuff and then just spend a night reading through everything in that codex. You've got a good, you know, probably eight to ten hours of just reading, just reading oh, fun. My, what, what a delight! Mm-hmm. Uh, keep your books out of my games. <laughs> games. Uh, another one from Steven here. Dragon Age and a lot of RPGs typically use metaphor when commenting on real world issues. Racism in Dragon Age, for example, is represented between humans and elves. While playing Inquisition, however, I noticed two characters in particular representing true to life marginalized groups that are also persecuted in the game how do you feel about this and do you think that hiding this kind of discussion in big games behind metaphor is uh, cowardly or an easy way out for publishers um i I think that last is not really an either or it's sort of like a damn if you do damn if you don't but but give me your give me your impressions of it sure uh you know it's it's hard to say without knowing um which specific characters and i i assume um that uh the the person writing this question was trying to avoid spoilers uh, so I, you know, I won't go into too much detail. What I will say is that generally, I, I mean, I think using metaphor to in, in fantasy or science fiction to refer to, uh, situations in the real world is something that fantasy and science fiction and genre fiction in general has done forever. Um, that's, that's just part of genre fiction. Uh, so I, I don't think it's cowardly or, or a bad thing to do. Um, you know, I think that there can be good and bad ways uh, to do it. I would say, in general, my impression is that uh, Dragon Age Inquisition mostly handles it really well, um, and in a way that that I think felt both true to the world and also like it was saying something worth saying uh, about our real world as well. Uh, a question from Ben here, and I'm not sure how much of this you can answer without getting spoilery, but but give it your best shot. Sure. What romance options did you go with, and did it or they feel better or worse than the typical Bioware romantic interactions? 
Uh, so there, there are a lot of romance options in this one. Um, I was playing as a Canari, which is a giant horned demon creature. Um, so that limits your romance options a little bit because some people bigots. So, yeah, that's exactly that's exactly right. It's commenting on real world issues where some people in the real world don't want to sleep with giant horned demon creatures. Um, I love them. Thank you know you. what they make uh, me feel? What are, what are they? Horny. <laughs> Nailed it. Boom. Uh, Dad jokes. I will say uh, the there are a couple of different romance options that I pursued kind of like halfway there until I decided on one. Um, and Which is, by the way, calling them romance options is in no way like a grossly clinical stomach churning way of referring <laughs> to romance in games. That's I mean, it's not just in games. That's what I call them in real life, too. OK, perfect. I pursued my romantic options with you. And you're uh, you're my favorite romance option at the moment. You're my favorite romance option at the moment. That's that's going to be my Valentine's Day card. <laughs> Okay. Uh, the one that I ended up with, uh, the the beautiful young lady, the beautiful young virtual lady who I ended up um, courting. <laughs> I, I would say I, I would say it actually was a little bit better than the average Bioware game because um, it presents it more like a relationship and less like you're trying a to. Quest. It's uh, yeah, it's less like you're trying to fulfill a quest and your reward is virtual sex. Um, it's, it's more like, uh, you, once, once you're in a relationship with this person, you keep interacting with them as though you're in a relationship and other people in your party comment about how you're in a relationship with them. Um, there, it isn't just like this one weird kind of awkward sex scene and then it's done, at least with the person that I ended up with. They also took out system, the systems that they had, um, in, uh, I know this was in origins and I think it was in dragon age two as well, which was in order to get people to like you, you gave them gifts and that's what led to the romance. They took that out entirely. Um, so that's uh, they they I think they realized that that was kind of a gross way of uh, presenting romance options. I don't ever like that, actually, like romance or not. I hate giving gifts like in Danganronpa. I have to, I have to like, check a chart. You mean in real life, too, though? Do they like chocolate? Yeah, that's true. Uh, a question from Miguel who says, how does Dragon Age help players ease into the world of progression with the game being so huge is it easy to grasp its size and not feel overwhelmed uh i would say that i felt overwhelmed pretty often but i think the biggest thing that they do is they uh they close off areas so you have this uh the thing that called the war table um and this is kind of what i mentioned earlier about how you need to gather this resource called power um and that's going to enable you to continue missions um and to open up new areas so until you've get gathered enough power, you can't even open new areas on the map. Um, so you're kind of limited to one zone until you've gathered a certain amount of power. Then you can go to this next zone, um, and you're you're gated in that way. Uh, one last question here, and this one comes from Jaboy Hoops, Justin, right here. If you had to guess, why isn't this called Dragon Age Three? I don't know. You know, honestly, um, it's it's. A good question because this is actually Dragon Age Origins was it should be noted a terrible name. Yeah, <laughs> to absolutely. Call it Dragon Age just the first one. It is indeed the Origins, correct? Inquisition is actually more tightly tied to Dragon Age Origins and Dragon Age Two than those two games were to each other. Uh, so it makes more sense for this to be three than it did for Dragon Age Two to be Dragon Age Two. Uh, my best guess, honestly, is that um, Dragon Age Two, you know, 
critically was not that well received. Um, I think maybe they, they might've looked at reactions to that and been like, you know, in exploring the problems and there were many problems with dragon age two. I think one of them might've been, maybe we shouldn't have called this dragon age two. Maybe that was a mistake because it's a very different game. Um, likewise inquisition is, is a very different game from those two. So maybe they decided let's not call it dragon age three. Let's, let's call it its own thing. I'm sure also there's probably some marketing reasons of like, it probably helps pull in more, uh, more potential players who has been so long. Yeah. I mean, they, they might be scared off by a three, right? They might be like, well, I didn't play the previous two, so I can't do this. But since it doesn't say three, they might be like, well, I'll jump in. Sure. Uh, Phil, thank you so much for joining me here on the show. Thank you for having me. And thank you to you for listening. Uh, we sure appreciate you. If you get a second to subscribe to our show on iTunes or, or share it with a friend or rate us and review us there, all that stuff helps us out uh, tremendously. So if you take a second to do that, we sure appreciate it. And uh, uh, you can email us. Right now our, our regular email is not working, so you can just email justin at polygon.com. If you've got a question about an upcoming game, just get quality control on the subject there so I'll know what you're talking about. Uh, until the next time we have a game to talk about for Phil Kohler, I'm Justin McElroy, and thank you for listening to Polygon's Quality Control. Quality Control.